0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Bowtech Archery prides themselves on offering a bow for everyone. Whether you have a short draw length, a long draw length, pull 70 pounds or 40 pounds, you're a bow hunter or a target archer, they offer a bow that can be customized to fit your body type. On top of that, their deadlock technology allows you to fine-tune your AeroFlight. Visit BowtechArchery.com and check out the SR350 and the CP28. Bowtech Archery, refuse to follow. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com.
1: The Houndsman XP Podcast Network is taking you on the journey. Your host, Master Trainer Heath Hyatt, will combine his decades of experience as a houndsman and as a professional trainer that will light the path forward and make our packs lighter on this lifelong journey to become better hunters and houndsmen. There are no shortcuts, so lace up those boots and grab a dog leash. The journey begins now.
2: Hey guys, the journey on Houndsman XP is teamed up with Go Wild. Go Wild is a social media platform that was made for hunters by hunters. If you guys and gals have listened to any of the other podcasts that i've been on you know what a huge outdoor enthusiast i am i love being in the woods with my hounds. there's nothing more exciting than hearing the thunder of a spring gobbler i love fishing for trout in the brooks and the streams and i love being on the river chasing that ever elusive fish of a thousand cast the muskie. Go wild is the place that i can post my trophies hunts, and memories without being censored. But Go Wild is so much more than that. It's a place to share your stories, sharpen your skills, hone your tactics, get gear reviews, and shop for anything outdoors. When you make a purchase from the Go Wild store, everything is free shipping. Anything that you purchase anywhere in the country, no matter how big, free shipping. So go down to the show notes, click on the Go Wild link at the bottom, and get signed up today. And let's go wild. Hey, Here we go. Hang on. Y'all ready for the ride on the journey? It is a brisk 39 degrees here in southwestern Virginia. Looking out the window, I've got all kinds of foliage. I've got orange, red, yellow, still a little bit of green in the mix. Um, beautiful fall morning we are up and at them early we've got a lot of stuff going on today so got a couple co-hosts with me sitting in chair number one is chris the man pal and sitting in yeah all all lovely this morning you even did your hair didn't you yeah (laughs) all of us did yeah. this is the team
1: we got the team hairstyle thing going on here
2: yeah the lack or the lack thereof mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody says uh, as i'm bald but i'm not i just keep it like i keep it like cut down as close as i can yeah keep
1: telling yourself that he, it is going bald but you you got a lot of for your, your forehead is getting it's growing isn't it yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> and Sitting in the second chair, we pulled him over from all mixed up, is Chad Reynolds. And he had to get out of bed super early this morning. So, Chad, how's things your way?
3: Great. Great. Yeah, it's a little chilly, but all's well.
2: It's chilly there?
3: That's right. That's right. I I think it's like 34 degrees right now, so.
2: Yeah, I hope yeah. it warms up because I'm gonna be on post today for about seven hours, and it's says it's supposed to be 70. So let's hope it does get up there. I don't want to wear a jacket. Where are you where are you going? <clears throat> no, don't ask. Yeah, well, <laughs> tell us where. You're, so got, tell us where you're
1: going. So I have you're going to the the premiere. The uh, they're like top ten ranked right now, aren't they?
2: In the bottom 200. <laughs> yeah. The, so I've work
1: Virginia Tech Hokies. Yeah. So I
2: volunteered my services to uh guard the gates, I guess. So that's an overtime assignment we have is to go to the tech games and work the games and um you know, it's a nine hour stint. Standing on your legs is pretty torturesome, especially as the older I get. When I was younger it's pretty fun and now it's like I don't wanna really do this, but I need the money. So <laughs> having to fix a truck and buy another truck and pay things off right here at Christmas time, taxes are due. I mean, I gotta, gotta get it while you can. was my dad said, dad said, you got to get the eggs when the hens are clucking. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, well, let's dive into this. Uh, So this episode kind of got brought up from some prior episodes. Um, I brought Chad in we brought Chad in because of a conversation they had on the AMA, the All make the the Ask Me Anything Friday. So one of the questions that I want to break down with him, I mean, he trains dogs, I trains dogs, and you know everybody does things a little different, and I'm always willing to learn. So uh, one of the things I want to break down with him is because of that conversation him and Chris had a couple Fridays ago, and then Chris had a question about. His, his Yag in the pants, Terrier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just going to break it down. This is going to be a learning session. Um, you know, I listened to a podcast and guys podcast. Let's talk about podcast real quick. Podcast is a free source of learning. It's free. You can hook it up on your Bluetooth in your vehicle. You can put it on a headset. There is information out there everywhere. And it's a free source of information. You know, um, Will Smith was on Oprah years and years and years ago. My mom watched that stuff all the time. And Oprah was asking Will Smith a question and he said, there's nothing that I can't learn by picking up a book. He said, it's already been wrote about. It's already been there. Somebody's already experienced the things that you're experiencing. And I think podcasts are the new books. I mean, I think that there's a lot of information out there and it's free. It's free. And one of
1: podcasts, one chapter at a time, is how they're put out. They're also the new source of, um, you know, there's a lot of news medium, uh, media stuff coming out. It's replacing and got um, traditional mainstream stuff. It's got people worried, you know, it does.
2: Yeah. But I was listening to a, a podcast with, uh, um, Oh Lord! I just drew a blank. Um, he's out in California. It uh, works for Leerberg. Uh, come on, Chad, help me out with this one. Ugh. Anyway, I'll come up with it in a minute. But his conversation was that as a dog handler or dog trainer, if you're still doing stuff that you were doing ten years ago and are not evolving, then you're just doing a discredit to yourself and or your dog. Oh, that's the hound.
3: That's the truth.
2: So I was mowing yesterday and I was listening to this podcast. Michael Ellis, that's who we're talking about. I mean, he is world renowned, Um, very big in the Mondio ring. Um, He works for Learberg, puts out videos on YouTube. He does schools. Um, He is a a wealth of knowledge when it comes to dog training and behavior. So Michael said that, you know, one thing that took him a long time to realize is that – it's constantly evolving. And I think that's part of what we talk about here with Houndsman XP. You know, the journey, you know, I know that that's something I feel strongly about is we've got to, we. I still do some things I did 10 years ago. But I, I'm, I'm open to evolving and making things better. You know, the old um, the old styles, and you've heard me talk about it, and I'm sure Chad is in the same way too, you know, the old styles of just making your dogs do what you want to do is we don't do that anymore. You know, we motivate them and encourage them, and we shape those behaviors into the behaviors that we desire. Um, so when Michael said that, it kind of stuck with me, and you know, it it made sense. And I am like, okay, you know, I constantly want to be evolving. Like, well, let's. I've got I've got a, something
1: I want to bring up there real quick before we get too far down the path here, because it just came to me. But it's not that the dogs have changed in ten years it's that there has been there have been billions with a b of dollars spent on the research on how dogs learn dog behavior how dogs use their nose and it's all because of homeland security 911 type stuff you know in the last 10 years the amount of money that has been spent on that research probably is equivalent to what's been spent from all time just so we can find terrorists so we can find bombs so we can you know do all the war on drugs all this stuff am i am i
2: right or wrong
3: i mean there's a lot of money dumped into it right i mean
2: yeah and i know back in 2000 right before covid i want to say 2017 and guys don't hold my feet to the fire on this this was information i was told by a pretty reliable source that our federal government spent 19 billion dollars trying to replicate the dog's nose to find explosives and Guess what? We're still using the dog's nose. So, what, what the, Chris is saying has got a lot of cooth to it. Go ahead, Chad.
3: One of the craftiest replacements that I ever saw um, was them trying to use bees. They'd have the, <laughs> it's a little container, a little bigger than like a bar of soap. Think about like double the size of a bar of soap. And they'd have a multitude of bees in there and they would teach them, you know, and on the bottom, it was porous. So, they'd have a bunch of holes in it. And they could teach them that in the presence of this odor, there would be glucose or some kind of reinforcement. They would, they'd press it up against. So they were, the closest thing they were able to get was these bees, which was accurate. They, they worked, but the dang things die so easy and you had to keep replacing them. And you basically had to have an assembly line of these little bars, but imagine like a little a okay. bar of soap that you press up against the vehicle and slide it down the side. <laughs> and all of a sudden all the bees would slap to one side of it. it but it, it. It may be equal to but it's not practical. You don't get the years of service out of it the durability that uh, everything that goes along with it man no dogs are still at the top notch
2: they can't replace yeah them.
1: yeah <clears throat>
2: they
3: are
1: and one other one other thing I'll throw in and I'm just almost hit my mute button, let you guys run with this. you know just because the the money's not being spent on chasing a raccoon or chasing a lion or chasing a bear, a dog's nose is a dog's nose. They use it the same whether they're looking for people or they're looking for drugs, you know, it's, it's, they're using the same dog, the same nose to do all this work and studying for the same things.
2: Yeah. And, and Chad made the comment on the AMA that you guys did that dogs see the world through the nose. And no matter what school I'm teaching, if it's a narcotics de, um, or detection school, if it's a tracking school or, or even a patrol school, the one of the first videos that I show is the video of the dog, and it's a cartoon animated video. And I think maybe Ariel posted it after our first session. You know, you guys should go back and look at that because if you look at it in the context that it's set in, not the cartoon, but it's a fact. The dog tells a story that we can never tell, and that's what's drawn me to the hounds and, you know, to hunting with hounds because they're telling us a story that you and I would never know about if it wasn't for their nose. So... Anyway, so the episode I did with uh, Doug and BB, I got a lot of questions and a lot of um, messages about, well, I had mentioned to BB that, you know, brought up several issues that I had. So the issues that I did have while I was down there was the first issue is I I was, I only took, I took Spook, my male dog, and then I took Houdini and Hart. Um, They're both pups out I'm gonna say pups. They are they. They turn 19 months old this month. Um, so they're young dogs. They're both out of Spook and um, Hot Rods Molly female, and that was the first litter out of Spook. So they're they'll be 19 months old this month. So they were eight, 18 months old last month. Um, on the on the big bear that BB ended up killing. Um. Houdini was in on that but Him and Hart, that's the only two dogs I turned loose to begin with. Um, and they, they were on that bear about 20 minutes. Well, Houdini, I had packed spook to them, and Houdini just kind of peeled off and made a big loop in there, and he ended up coming through the block and coming out right where I was at. And kind of a little bit puzzled because he stayed for 20 minutes, and then he decided I didn't want any part of this. Um, so I put him in the truck and anyway, by the time I got around, um, of course BB had it killed. So spook and Hart were the only two dogs that I had on that, that, that bear on the, at the end of it, heart was there the whole time. <clears throat> so this is going to bring up my, my next issue. And then we're going to talk about the next two days. Cause it, it plays <laughs> into the, what we're talking about today. So, um, they use shotguns down there. And you, Chad had talked about this on the AMA. So when, when BB shot that bear, um, he put multiple rounds in it. And when I got around there, um, more so Hart than Spook. Spook was a little bit eh, not settled with it. Hart was, she kind of had that frantic look. We all know the ears were kind of laid back. Um, her eyes were a little bit bigger than the normal. You know, you could just tell in her demeanor. Yeah. Like, oh, what, what's going on here? So, all right. So anyway, I, I, they were at the bear. I called them up, and we went on about our business. So, BB and I get to having conversations about Houdini, and we're, I just I'm like, it don't make sense because at the house, I mean, three weeks ago, we had a bear, the one that that wrecked trip. He was on that from start to finish over three hours. And it was on the ground. Never treed, never run, never nothing. Stayed the whole time. Um the bear that bit Wesley's dad, uh, well now it was a small bear. Um, the same thing. He was on it the whole race, the whole time, bait up in a timber cut. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to I'm trying to play this out of my head, like, okay, what's going on? So the next day we go to another area. And pretty much the same thing. Um, I turn. I didn't even turn Spook loose this day. Like I just tell him, put him, kept him in the truck. Didn't turn him loose. I put Hart and Houdini. Um, of course, they fly right in there to Doug's dogs. Doug's dogs. Two of Doug's dogs had a bait, So BB and I put some dogs with them. And as uh, soon as Houdini gets there, boom, goes in and he literally turns and comes right back out, same path. And I'm like. All right, now, I'm getting a little aggravated here. I don't, I don't, why are you doing this two weeks ago at the house and you're not doing it now? So anyway, um, I kept him with me. B.B. had him, B.B. called him. I had him and put him back, and then B.B. called him. Well, the bear crosses in front of B.B. He sees the bear, boom, takes right back off, goes in the woods. They get in there 100 yards into this thick mess. The bear stops. As Soon as it stops, he kind of turns and comes right back out. All right. So at this point, I'm I'm pretty aggravated. <laughs> so Heart, Hart and Axe, one of the the, the the newest puppies that are seven months old, they stay in the bear Hart stays the whole time. I got axe no I got axe in pretty much at the beginning too. Um they make a big loop in there, they run this for about an hour and fifteen minutes. Well, it comes back across the road. BB shoots at it again, or somebody else, maybe, I don't know. Um, they shoot at it again. They fire three rounds from a shotgun. Well, I'm coming down the road towards them, and here comes Hart and Axe. And it goes into another patch, and they end up, uh, Will, it was Will, actually. Will ends up getting the bear. They shoot three more times. All right. All right, so my two issues were, and I'm going to start with Houdini. Houdini wanted, okay, so wait, wait, I got to back up. I'm, I'm forgetting some of the some of the stories. So Monday on the big bear, he comes out, right, and he don't go back. We get on another bear. It crosses out of one of those cuts. I put him and Hart, well, I packed him and Hart to cut uh, Doug's dogs. They go in, they come through this big cut, you know, come through this block, And they cross the road. I put spook in. spooks. they go all... They run it all the way through that big block and cross the road and go into another block and treat it. It looked like a million dollars. Like, bam, on it. I mean, everything that you'd want a young dog to do. Tuesday, nothing. Don't want no part of it. So Wednesday, um, we... I was a little bit leery um, because of what I'd seen out of my dog. So I was... I held my dogs for a good while that day, and uh, Doug Doug had a dog that come across uh, railroad tracks and into coming up to a hard top, so we got around there. And when I pulled up where they were coming, my dogs just blowed up in the box. And my dogs are quiet in the box. If they're blowing up inside the box, I feel very comfortable that it's right, and they're going to go. So I drop the tailgate, we turn it, and... All three dogs, you know, do what they're supposed to do. They get in that big swamp about 40 minutes later. And that's where we had the issue and the dogs kind of split up. Doug and I caught some dog. Well, I caught Houdini and Hart. And Doug caught one of his. Well, they decided to go on the other side of that swamp, which was across from us. And somebody caught Spook and the other dogs. And um, they ended up walking that swamp. And that's when they, they jumped the bear again. And literally, they had it caught. Well, I packed Houdini and Hart from 675 yards. And they didn't, they didn't waste any time getting to the dogs. But before they got there, that group that group of dogs had it treed. Um, Spook was in that group. I don't know what all they had. Uh, I know BB had a couple of dogs there, and I know Doug's um, uh, whatever. I can't remember which dog he had that was with them. But anyway, they called it and had it treed before we the Houdini and Hart got there. But they went flying in there and um got there. And when I got I mean, when I got to the tree, they're all treeing doing what they're supposed to do. So that kind of gives you a um what happened with my dogs. I mean, that's that's what happened, you know. I took two month old dogs. So let's break down let's break down Houdini first. And Chad, I'm gonna tell you my my thoughts, and you tell me what your thoughts are. All right. Um, oh, so yeah, let me tell you, let me add one more thing to that. I know I keep adding to this. So that was Friday. <laughs> I drive home Friday evening, and Saturday, Saturday is our youth day. I strike a track. I put four dogs down, which is Spook, Maggie, Houdini, and Hart. Right off the truck. They take this bear, they go up the mountain, they turn, they come left-handed, start dropping down low. Anyway, they made a big loop in there. About halfway through that loop, they catch. They're not running now, they're just walking. Ooh, you know, they're just walking, walking, walking. Um on the way back on that loop, Garrett, our buddy Garrett, was able to put in a couple dogs. And then they they the bear literally tried to cross the exact same place that I had started it. So they cross the road in front of us, it's a small bear i'm I'm saying eighty pounds um they get down in the creek and they have they get it caught um and we get down there and i I catch spook and Hart. and i they caught a couple of the dogs. I don't know who who caught what, but um he stayed the whole time and even after we got dogs caught and it broke out of there, it went around the ridge and ended up climbing a big uh uh tree like it's like. He's a different dog. He was a different dog in my, and you know, from what I'm seeing, you know, from, from down there to down here, it's like, where'd you come from? What are you, what are you doing? So my thoughts are, and I equate this to dogs with slick floors with our police dogs. Uh I feel like it's an environmental thing. I feel like the thickness of the, the land that they hunt and you heard BB say it a lot of times you can't see that bear. He, it's so thick in there that, I mean, like I said, I was in, I was within 10 feet of a bear twice and could see the dogs because they were white and could not make out the bear. Now, of course, it's thick, green briars, like it's bad. Um, so in my mind on the way home, you know, I'm trying to break this down and that's the conclusion that I come to. I'm like, okay, this is an environmental thing. A couple more trips down there, um, that should that should fix or he should become comfortable with that type of environment. Um, and, I, and like I said, I equated that to the slick floors. You know, we have some dogs we get in that's not environmentally, you know, where we'd like them. Slick floors seem to be one of those things. So yeah. we go into a school cafeteria or whatever, and the dogs go in there, and I mean, they just pancake. Whoop, They're out. They don't want anything to do with it. They freeze up. So we start at the threshold, and you know the you know the drill. We play fetch, or we put a little bit of food here, whatever. Um, we get them comfortable, and then you know a week later, they're coming in there like they own the world. Um, Chad, what's your thoughts on that particular situation? It it definitely could
3: be environmental. I mean, uh, the whole time I was thinking. Um, I know there's a. Uh, I had a, an old timer talk to me before about how hog dogs, good hog dogs will not get themselves closed in, you know, like they're, they're just, they don't like confined spaces genetically. They've kind of been called out to where, you know, they just won't get caught in a tight space. Um, and that, uh, you know, after hearing that from him, I I would kind of look at it and we'd bay up hogs in a, in a big cedar knee or, you know, inside like the old wallered out trees, you know, and. It there's plenty of room in there for another dog or two, but there'd be ten dogs banned from the outside. None of them wanted to get into that tight confined space. So if that's really knotted up the way you're saying, it's definitely 100% a possibility. He may get in there and smell it and have <coughs> had himself. Has he been touched by
2: one before? You know, as he – heart. Uh, well, and I, when I get to her in a minute, I'll. No, he's not been. I have not seen any holes mm-hmm. or any marks on him. Now, I can't tell you he ain't got pounced, but but, as far as like physical evidence, I don't have it.
3: yeah it's, sometimes it doesn't even have to be holes, though, you're right? You know, I mean, i've I've seen some go running by the front end of a bear and get swatted on the hind end and go fly, mm-hmm. and go flying like 10, yeah. ten, fifteen feet, you know, just cause they get slapped on the butt on the way by, you know, so I mean, it it could be something like that, or even if a bear runs over top of them, you know how that is mm-hmm. you know, a lot of Times. You know, people always say, hey, if a dog's coming to bite me and I got a a baseball bat and a cheerleaders pom pom, you know, what are you going to defend yourself? With Most dogs drop the bat. If you can't scare him away, you're probably not going to hurt him away. Pick up that cheerleaders pom pom and shake it in his face. So even if a bear charged him and just ran over top of your other dog, I mean, that could scare the heck out of him. And, you know, that's more inclined to happen in that tight cover. Right. You know.
2: Um, Yeah. And I was thinking about your um, the dog numbers. So um, down down there with with Doug and BB, we typically had nine dogs. I had three. They had each of them had three. The big bear that, that BB was able to take, uh, he had. We had my two. I had two on it, and BB had two or three on it. Um, pretty much the entire time. So six dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, the bear we caught on Youth Day, I had four. Um. Hot Rod had six, and Garrett had, I'm going to say, four or five. So there was a lot more dogs there, but it was op- it's open. I mean, it's not as thick. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you're saying may have a lot of clout that he's just not going to get himself pinned in. Um, maybe he doesn't like that. You know, just like in our drug dog or, you know, well, any, any dog in the patrols or, you know, in the law enforcement sector, I mean, I've got dogs that don't like to go up in corners. You know, they don't like to go in tight quarters, Uh and that's something we have to work with them. So, yeah,
3: I've always found there's I got a real nice trick for that as well. I got a real nice trick for that as well. We used to have some that absolutely hated going into like mop closets or tight confined spaces and everything like that. And Mm -hmm. gosh, I
2: was a Jerry Bradshaw um, when I learned this little trick. I'm gonna see Jerry. I'm gonna see him Monday. Is that right? Tell him myself. Said- yeah, we're um, yeah, I will. I'm going. Uh, I've got to go to tomorrow. Tomorrow evening, I've got to drive down to Richmond for the, the water seminar, Virginia Police Work Dog. And um, Jerry's going to be down there teaching a class Monday, and then I think Tuesday through Friday he's just going to be helping people and doing whatever.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: He's a, go ahead. Sorry, he's,
3: he's a cool guy. He's a real cool guy. <laughs> but uh, one of the things he did was uh, we had a dog. Um. And I think it was a new handler that was, a. Uh, the dog had issues going into a, into a confined, into a mop closet and, uh, with a decoy present. And, uh, the dog was rock solid. Otherwise, like blew me away, you know, like not that one, you know, like maybe one of these other three or four, you know, but not that dog. He, you know, he shouldn't be terrified of that, you know? And it was as simple, I just watched all the puzzle pieces come together right in front of your face. You know, he just had brought the decoy out, took the dog into the mop closet and sent him at the decoy from inside the mop closet and then got on the bike, gave him a little bit of time in there to enjoy himself and immediately turned around, sent the decoy right back in and then sent the dog into the mop closet. And he acted like he never had a problem in his entire life. So, I mean, it was as simple as sending the dog out of the area he was intimidated by into. Mm You know the area he was comfortable with, and I can't even I I we could speculate all day on why that fixed it. You know, but the the behavior is undeniable. You know, he was would not enter into the mop closet with the decoy present, and then we swept it around and put the dog into the mop closet and sent him out of it, and then every time thereafter never had a problem again. And it was like right there, right in front of us. So like, there's some weird things that go on with confined spaces with all types of dogs. You know, like. Our mm. dogs and our, and, and our other ones, you know, and if it's a, if it's a a thick bound up area, like you're saying with all the briars and everything like that, and then they're like, okay, that bear is close and they've, you know, been swatted or pressured or ran over top of, like I said, that happens with mine as much as anything that some of the areas where the bear can run are you know, these narrow little trails and they'll just run right over top of a dog trying to get away. And, uh, that, that'll terrify when they think they're getting, you know, getting got, you know, and they, they don't even have yeah. to work on them, you know? So it yeah, I mean that's that's highly probable. And a lot of times when there's more dogs, you know, like somebody's getting ran over, you know, because they'll circle yeah. them, they'll circle them up, you know. Um yeah. So yeah, man, I it if if I'm if I'm tracking everything right, it it did sound like he was having his issue the, the tighter the cover is, you know.
2: Yeah, he he's not doing that here. Um I don't i I've, I've never Again, he's he's 18, he, he's 19, he'll be 19 months old this month, but I've never seen that issue here. Okay. I've never, you know, last year when he was a, I mean, I was hunting him in December at 10 months old. Yeah, I mean, we had a really, we had an ornery bear. I mean, running dogs down, you know, he run off a lot of young, like puppies. Yeah. And, I, you know, a year older puppies. I'm okay with that. I get that. I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, I have, I've not seen it. Um, I'm not making excuses. I just haven't seen that behavior here. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. once we go down there, it's like, where, who's this dog? Where'd you come from? And <laughs> you know what I thought was so funny when that bear was run, like Monday after we killed the big bear, we, we treat another one. I mean that running bear, I mean, he looked like a million dollars. I mean, you know, he looked like a dog that you want. Mm-hmm. I mean, out of the gate, all the way through the race, you know, whatever, but they never, when they crossed the road, um, was probably the closest they were to that bear. And then, of course, it got into another another big cut in there and whatever. And then, again, like I said, on, on Thursday or Friday, same thing. Bear was running, looked good. I mean, right up front of the pack, running hard, lots of – I mean, going, you know, doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. So, yeah. Was that, I'm, all, prey, I'm,
3: huh? was that all prey drive, though? I mean, is that a distinction? I mean, could it just be – all right, he's fine with treying because it's up in the air and he knows where it is, Mm -hmm. you know? And then when he's running it, of course, that's going to be, you know, uh, you know, what drive we could probably do that for a while, but it's all he's chasing at that point, you know? Right. The prey prey drive. And, um, you know, so there's a lot of things that came in there. So if I, if I ask a wrong question, just definitely correct me, but, uh, it was his issues when it was just walking when it was there when he you know when he was like right up on top of it and it wasn't it wasn't a chase anymore you know like he basically trailed it up and here it is and i may not be comfortable to bay this thing in the tight woods or no because you, you said they he ain't doing that there so yeah it could be in the environment it could be you know you were shooting at him at all places too you know the the powder burn was there uh
2: <clears throat> Uh, well, I mean, again, he he never made it to either bear that we we, t- we took. Okay. Um, and like I said, as long as it was running, that chase, like you said, he he done phenomenal. Mm. Um, he's a good tree dog. Um, and then like I said, you come home Saturday and they catch a bear on the ground. They walk it for 30 minutes, 25, 30 minutes. Um, they actually catch it. Or get it stopped where we can actually go in and start catching dogs and like, I mean, bam, I mean, he's right there, he's right like there. bait up tight, putting pressure. I mean, I don't, it's so crazy. Like, it's just so crazy. Well, and dominant you, dogs at one of them.
3: Is that another thing? I mean, cause sometimes a dominant dog will, you know, like own the tree. Of course we all know that, but that could even happen on mm-hmm. the ground too. I mean, could, could it be that?
2: Well, it could be. Um, and, Actually, you and I kind of think alike. Um, that's why I left Spook in the box Tuesday or Thursday on the other bear. I said, okay, I'm just going to take him out of the picture, see what happens here, which, I mean, Spook Spook's about as humble as, I mean, or as, as, you, as you can come. I mean, it just don't get any, you know, there's no um, illness out of him whatsoever. And I, I'm not going to put up with an old dog, period. But in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, let me take the old dog out, see what happens. Took the old dog out of the picture, same result. Yeah. But the old dog's in the pitcher. <laughs> um, Monday on the second bear, Friday on the bear that tree, and then Saturday. So I it's just puzzling to me. And like I said, I'm I'm hoping that it's an environmental thing, like what you know, like we talked about. And if it if it continues to happen, then, you know, I I'm kind of like you. Maybe he's just not gonna get himself in a position to to get himself hurt. Mm. I don't know. Um, but you know, I want my dogs to, to be, I want them to act the same here. Oh yeah. North, uh, North Carolina, Virginia, Maine, New Mexico. I well, want yeah. consistency. <laughs> huh? China.
3: Any, anywhere yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, they, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they I that's what I want dog everywhere. Yeah. And you know, you know. I guess you just have to keep your eyes open. I've been there before. We've all been there, you know, like really something yeah. is going on and what is it, you know, and yeah. the human mind's so good at finding patterns. Sometimes we can get in yes. our own, in our own, in our own way sometimes too, you know? So I guess just keep your eyes open. Maybe it'll show itself. Odds are it'll probably self, you know, if he's a great dog, it sounds like he is. It might, it'll probably correct before you identify it, you know? Um, maybe he just needs a Well, I hope dog, he does, you know?
2: Yeah. All right. So let's move on to heart. Um, like I said, my goal with Houdini, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go back down there. I'm gonna keep turning him loose and seeing if I'm getting the same, you know, same result. And if I do, then I'm just, I'm gonna to have to break it down even, even further. But, and like I said, I don't think it, it's, I don't think it's an issue with where, once he catches it, okay, I'm done because, like I said, I've seen him on the ground here three different times this season, and no issues. Stayed till I caught him. Pulled him off, you know. H- however it happened. All right. So Hart. All right. Hart is his litter mate, same age. Um, but I got to give you some background on her. So I got these dogs started last September. Um, kind of like what I'm doing with the 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 A puppies now. Um, I take one here, take one there. Um, September, I got them running, trend. Um, December. I'm like, okay, they're ten months old. I'm I'm gonna take them a little bit. Well, I took them and they started doing so good. I was like, man, I hate to leave them at home. Mm-hmm. So, Hart got to hunt the first three three days, four days of season, and she come in heat. So, she missed out the next three weeks, and that was towards that was after Christmas when I brought her back. I think I think it was after Christmas and. She was on a couple bear, but we didn't take any of those bear. Every bear that she was on, we didn't take. All right? So, she's went through September, December, no bear. Um, August, the very first day of season, her and Spook catch a bear, and she gets some holes. So, I have to lay her up for a week, um, get those things healed up, Um, get her back out. Of course, it's hot in August, so... We got I mean she was on several bear and then September yep yeah, after Labor Day here she comes in heat again <laughs> So um no I'm telling you wrong no after Labor Day which bear was it that done that I'm trying to think Oh it was the big oh it was the big bear yeah so she come in heat so she was up for for three weeks and then the last week of season, we catch the big bear on the ground that gets a trip, and she comes out with holes in her again. Pretty good rip in her in her back back part between her her tail and her ham. Got to staple it up, um, and she's got some pretty good puncture wounds between her back and her ribs. So I have to lay her up um, again. So she misses the last week and a half, two weeks of season. I get her out there, and no, I didn't hunt her during her. Yeah, did I did. The early season. I can't remember. Right. Yeah, I, I guess I, I guess I did hunt her early season. Didn't kill any bear, so she's not had a bear knocked down to her. Now Houdini has. Um, he was on several um that we took last year, so she's not been on any bear. So I explained to you what happened. So she's not had any bear. She's had half the hunting that he's had. She's been in heat or been hurt. So she's missed She's missed six weeks just being in heat, and then she's probably missed three weeks. So she's missed nine weeks total of hunting <laughs> since I got her started last September because of heat and getting hurt. So um, on the big bear, I told you she kind of looked startled when they shot in the shotgun. And then on the next day, she literally come out, come to me, um, her and Axe. And once we got around to where the bear was killed and it was done, um, you know, she'd done her thing, whatever. So I was worried about the second, the morning, the second morning, she was, I mean, she was startled the first morning, the second morning. Um, I didn't see that behavior like that, that wide eyed look, um, and then the third, the third morning, I was worried about her even going. And when I dumped that tailgate, man, she was right in there doing her thing, running the bear. So this brings us to that that thing about the gun
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, with with you and the odor, which I have to admit I've never looked at it in through that window, even though I know I should be. When you said that, it was like a smack in the face. I'm like, oh, duh, you know, that's <laughs> a part of it. Um. But with her, and this is I got to thinking, you know, on the way home, like I said, it was a five-hour drive home. So I was trying to play all this stuff in my head and rationalize it the most common sense way that I could. Um, we tree, we, most of the bear that we take, most, not all, are all in trees. Uh-huh. So we tie the dogs back. They don't have no escape route. And we're usually only shooting one or two times. And we're using a rifle. And what I have seen with the, the, in the, in the law enforcement world, when you start bringing out that shotgun, the percussion alone changes everything. My dog, Pino, was very solid on gunfire. We could shoot a pistol and you could shoot that AR and he's solid. But we started doing, we had, um, we had a pursuit and ended up in a, we, we spiked, spiked the, the, the person, they had a gun mm-hmm. and, um, they got out of the car with nothing in their hands. And basically we put off a couple of Bing backgrounds and sent the dog. Um, I seen a behavior in Pinot that I didn't like. Ears back, tail tucked, still did the job. But at the same time, his whole demeanor was different. So our next TAC training, we set this scenario up. And we started working uh, the Bag gun to a takedown from a vehicle. And the whole that first whole session, same behavior, tail tucked, ears back, still went, still apprehended the person, still held on, still did everything he's supposed to do. And um I, I actually called Franco angelini i do you know who that is Chad Franco you said yeah, you might doctor
3: yeah, I was wanting to say i don't I think I might be getting mixed up with somebody else, so I'll just
2: say no anyway, so Franco's one of my mentors, he's been a friend of mine for years now and uh, Franco does, he used to do all the decoy schools. He's taken a job, taking a job with the ATF and works strictly for them, training their dogs now. But Franco said, Heath, he said, you got to start him away and bring him into the gunfire. Don't take the gunfire into him. Take him into it. Mm-hmm. Um, which I knew this from a previous conversation that I had and I'm like, well, Franco, I, that's how I started him with the gunfire for the pistol and the rifle. I don't have any issues. It's not a, it's not an issue. Um, Dog solid. He'll hold it down right beside me and you can shoot off as many rounds as you want to. You can heal with him shooting. It's good. So the percussion of that blast had, in my mind, had to be what changed that behavior because gunfire is not the issue. So Chad, I want your take on it. I, I, I like the theory or I like the part about the, the odor but now, saying that the dog's solid on um, pistol and rifle, right? What changes in your mind? What changes the shotgun? Uh,
3: 100%. Uh, it could still be the odor. The powder's different. You know, the powder they use to launch those beanbags is different from the powder we use to launch lead projectiles. So, like right off the bat, the burn on that is going to smell different. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that's what's spooking them but like if we're just looking for dissimilarities if that <laughs> if i'm using that word mm-hmm. things that are you know to, to me if i if i know a difference i'm gonna count on that dog's nose being able to tell a difference even if it's just a knowledge base if i could hear a difference i'm thinking it's gonna smell it different if it's a t- if we're going from pistol to rifle i, I all of the above you know so uh, that's the way I like to think about it, you know, and, and, and I'll say that again, it, that might not be the problem, but that is something that he could probably discriminate against. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
3: um cause I, I use all these percussion things for, uh, uh scare for abatement, animal abatement, scaring off critters, blackbirds mm-hmm. and, and and the like, and, and the powders we use for some of these projectiles are called shell crackers. I stick them in a shotgun, just same old regular 12 gauge shotgun. Um, and I could shoot hundred rounds through that during game bird season and everything's fine. But if I send five of these shell cracker rounds through the powder that comes off of that, it, it is filthy. It'll gum everything up. It'll break your automatic loading, you know, uh, your auto shotguns and everything. So it's, it's a dramatic difference there. So I would imagine, you know, whatever powder that is that they use to push that beanbag might be different. And it's just something you don't like maybe, um, or like you say, the sound, You know, um, just, just the sound could be different and, and messing.
1: It'd have to, it'd have to be because, you know, when you're talking, (laughs) when you're talking rifle, you're talking about a projectile. That's going shotgun rounds are subsonic and the, the rifle rounds, you know, they're, they're going to be moving a lot different, aren't they? I think, I think it's, I think it's combination, you know, the, the, like, Okay, so w- when a jet flies over, you know, a- an airline flies over, and I don't know, that it- maybe you-, you guys probably have seen this. It's one thing, but when when a fighter jet flies over and he's he's smoking, man, that'll make your head. It'll make your head drop a little bit, you know. Even people, a dog's hearing is so much more acute than ours. I mean, could they be picking
3: up on percussion? Too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. It could be, you know, it's something. There's a difference, especially if he's rock solid on pistol and rifle. And now he's showing mm-hmm. a little bit of, a little, a little something on shotgun. It, there's something that's different. You know, it's either, it's either the odor or the sound. but you know, it's not going to be the visual, you know, uh, unless he's attaching it to the odor or the sound, you know, and saying, this thing that I see now is one of those things I don't like, you know, but yeah, it could be,
2: it could be sound or it could be smell. You know, yeah, and I'm going to incorporate, but just to go back to Hart because that's what brought this up. Yeah, um, and I was just saying that the but different behavior that I saw in Pino, who is solid on the pistol. I mean, the forty, the nine, the two, two 30, um, like the difference in his behavior from those rounds to the shotgun was tremendous. Like, I, I kind of was surprised, honestly. I'm like, oh wow, okay, but her she's never been in a, in a tree where a gun's been shot much less behind a bear when somebody's shooting at it on the ground right um it's an easy fix there's no doubt I'll, I'll fix this and we you know I will fix it um but the shotgun I think her first couple of um, bear kills and the shotgun being the weapon of choice um was a definite I'm not gonna say a backslide but it's it's a definite um, I don't want to scar her if that makes sense. Oh yeah um, I do shoot my 22 when I when they're puppies. Um, I do shoot it out here and I mean I make all kinds of noises and whatever and so on and so forth. So um, yeah, I'm going to over the next couple months before our season comes back in, um, I'm gonna incorporate a couple, I'm going to start doing some powder stuff, um, and I'm going to up the the rounds. I mean, like I said, most of our rounds are 243, 30, 30, or pistol. I mm-hmm. mean, 44, four, some of them, four of them carry the 454s. I carry a 41, so um, I'm going to cap off a couple shells and just kind of leave them laying around the pin and stuff um, for that, just to incorporate that smell because – Chad, I think you made a very good point. I think it's a part of the overall picture, and I like to train in pitchers, and um, I kind of feel dumb that I have not thought about that before because that's something I feel is very important.
3: And here's something else to consider just, you know, while we're on the subject. It's uh, I really enjoy uh, coupling it with uh, food whenever I can. You know, so, Mm -hmm. I mean, you could take those – pop off a bunch of those shells like you're saying, and then uh maybe just duct tape them to the bottom side of the food bowl. Or I don't know if you like feed out of bowls or feed off the ground. If you're group feeding, you know, like there's a bunch of different good reasons to do it this way or that way. Um, but if you do feed out of bowls, that just makes it simple. You can just get a big long strip of duct tape and put a cocktail of them down there. Put everything you could possibly think of, you know, and just open the, you know, leave the tops open and just duct tape the bottom of it to the food bowl. And then that's just that's how he eats. He has to eat in the presence of it, you know, and it's a, just a simple way of immersing him in it. Well, you, you've trained,
1: you've trained dogs for article detection, firearms mm-hmm. evidence recovery. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're out there, they're, they're out there looking for shot shells and, and guns and everything else. I think it's the same thing. You know, you associate the the odor with a reward and before you know it, you, I, I think you'll work past it. But have you got any places, if you get any place that shoots trap or anything like that around close, like old shotgun clubs that are, they're shooting trap and things like that, where you could, you could mm-hmm. go and park, you know, you could park a hundred yards behind the line. When you, well, As many police departments as you got down there, there's surely somebody, you know, doing uh, firearms training. Yeah. Or, and that's what I do with know right?
2: I mean, every day we, every yeah. time we go to the range, he stays in the car. I park my car 50 yards away and yeah. he hears it for three hours um yeah yeah same same principle, and I think I'm gonna do actually, I think I'm gonna do an experiment, Chad, I think I'm gonna separate the dogs and I'm gonna do shells only with one group, and then I think I'm gonna do the shells and the sound with the other group and see what if there is even if there is a difference um. And, and see how much did how much that odor has to play in that part and then switch like I, I,
3: yeah after you do it, yeah, do I mean, it I a this way and b this way and you know record your results and then <laughs> swap them you know and see if you get a yep. difference
1: the thing that i think is interesting is the fact that when the bears in a tree you haven't seen it but when the bears on the ground then you're seeing a different reaction mm-hmm. and and that's that's interesting to me and it's got me thinking about you know when you shoot up and you're shooting shooting up into the you know wide open spaces then something's going on there with percussion and odor and everything versus when you know it's a close shot down on the ground and the dogs are around it you know it's like when it's up they kind of get the residual coming back down after the after the uh you know the the bear's coming out of the tree or whatever, and then on the ground it's like, man, I'm getting it right now. Now the reward is, you know, not as it's all it's all crunched down into the t- same time space. It's that's interesting to- uh, concept to me. I never thought about
2: that. And, then, and again, you know, when they're at the tree, they they don't have an escape route. I mean, they're tied up. You know, we tie them back a little ways, but you know, they hear that pop. Maybe the second pop. And then all of a sudden it's like the the Povlo, here comes the dog food, here comes the bear. Boom, here's our reward. That drive takes over any type of fear most of the time. And, you know, they go right at it. So, yeah, it was completely different. Like I said, it really put things in a different perspective for me um, with the issue. You know, like I said, with the issues, the dog still did good. I'm, you know, I'm still happy. Um, just things I got to work out. I means it's a part of it right part of the process
3: here's one more thing on that i just thought of a story while you we were talking i got a dog rebar he's one of my best track starters all right he loves the trail you know and if they run it to the tree and he happens to get there first he'll tree it and he may come off of it like 100 yards and then track it back to the tree and tree for a while and then come off of it 100 yards and track it back to the tree but if it's in a if it's low in the tree he's gonna be trying to bite feet whatever he can get if it's running he'll be right up behind it uh you know Kind of barking on its butt a little bit if he can, if he can, but if it's in a den, he will bay fifty feet back. He don't want no part of the hole. He he is terrified of that of the hole. Um, so I know we were talking about okay, the bear in the tree, and you got the gunfire, and then the bear on the ground, and you got the gunfire. Um, I know a lot of times, like with rebar, for example, when it's in the tree, he goes, "There it is. I got it there. It's afraid of me. He's been." you know, at the base of a tree a lot. He's super comfortable and I can kind of speculate and come up with little ways to rationale, but I always try and cut that out as much as possible and go with the behavior. Don't try and say, it doesn't matter why, you know, but what is the behavior? What is the behavior? All right. The behavior is he trees like a hammer. He will put his his, his muzzle on a bear's butt if he can get to it and it's running. But when it's in a hole, he's as far back as he could possibly get. All right. Now the way I'm trying to tie that into what you're, you're, you're saying now oh and and on top of that when that bear's in a hole i can hardly put hands on him you know at the tree i could walk up behind him i could pet him i could slap him in the face if he gets nasty with another you know with a puppy that's trying to get up on his tree or something and he's he's very tolerant of me and everybody else but when he's in the hole i can't even touch him like i'll call him over and he'll back up he'll run to the other side he'll run to you know the other 50 feet on the other side of the dang hole he is he is uncomfortable when the bears in the hole so it could be that the dog's just uncomfortable with the bear on the ground and he's more sensitive to the gunfire then as opposed to it is in the tree. And I've been here, I've done this before. I know everything's afraid of me, but when the bear's on the ground, he's like, man, that that rascal's around here somewhere. He, he, you know, I've been ran over before. Where is it? Bang. He hears the bang and then woo, you know, like, like that could be it or just one more part of it. You know, that's just one more thing to consider.
2: Man, wouldn't you like to be in a dog's head? I'd love it. I mean, daggum, We'd be, we'd be millionaires, wouldn't we? <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next thing real quick. Um, so Chris and I had a conversation about his his uh, tough, um, not wanting to recall. Mm-hmm. Put him on a line. Chris, you tell the story, and then we'll we'll go there.
1: Hey, we got time to do it. I mean, yeah. you're, we're looking at okay. Yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll break this down real quick tough tough's money on a line for recall i mean i've done the whole recall thing i've i've he's come to me boom reward you know food reward and um he's good inside here the thing that he's not good at is once he comes off the line it's like i know what i'm supposed to do but if i don't feel like it i'm not doing it and and recall is pretty tough right there. Um, I've, I've, he's good with, and you, he, you've seen it when we've been out, when we've been bear hunting, when I've had him out with us, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, he, he'll run around sometimes, man, I can call him from 150 yards away and he just comes screaming. But if he gets distracted or he's just like, you know, putting double middle fingers up to me, he's like, nah, I'm not doing it. You know? Yeah. And, um, so, so, I've, I've he's good with tone. He knows what tone is. The thing that I'm having problems with is when he's online or offline and I hit him with a, a, a short stem, then instead of he goes into flight mode instead of reacting and coming to oh, yeah. me, tone, note, boom, bumping, and he goes into flight mode. So I've worked, I'm working him on the line now. So that's where I'm at. Uh, he's solid online. He's solid in the house. He's good on tone. He knows what recall is. He knows what he should be doing. It's just that he's an obstinate little turd that's like, eh, I'll do it when I'm ready. He's like a little
3: spoiled kid. Yeah. Sounds like a yak terror. That's where we're
2: at. <laughs> Sounds like a Yachtair.
3: So have you done STEM while online?
1: Yes. Okay. Yes. i That's that's what I'm moving in. See, the problem
3: is, when he's online, I don't have to stem. I, yeah. That's you know what I mean. That's where that's where it kind of gets into the into the issue where they, the, it, I know exactly what you're saying. You can call him and he can come, and if he's disobedient, you can jerk on the the the, the line or reel him in or whatever, and you could force the issue. But when he's off the line, and then now you're applying e stem, uh, you can't force it anymore you can keep it going. well anyways, when i right? say go ahead when i say i don't have to
1: stem him when he's on the line mm-hmm. is like he's money you know there's no reason he's he's boom he's obedient right now mm-hmm. but as soon as he's off that line he's so smart that he understands it's
3: like eh, i'm not on the line right now okay.
1: and i don't have to listen.
3: oh I, I i totally get it and for example with force fetching when we like force fetch dogs for retrievals and everything like that uh, in the beginning you know, so some especially some of these purpose bred retrievers, you could put a stick in front of them and say Cheetos, and they're gonna put it in their mouth. It's just been hardwired in there so much, you know, over and over and over and over and over again. Like some of these young Jodhar pups or Labradors, you could, like I said, sit them down in front of you and then hold a baseball bat up and say Bring, and they just instinctively stick, you know, put the bat in their mouth. Now later on, they have to learn in order to get out from under the pressure, they have to stick the 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 item. In their mouth they have to hold it um and that jump you know that's you know some people call it escape training some people call it a bunch of compulsion this that that that, that, that. we can set all that to the side and but what actually has to happen is you'll have to stimulate that dog while he knows what he's doing for example with force fetch i could like i said i could take the item hold it in front of them say bring he's going to stick it in his mouth but i will start with very low stem Anyway, even if I know the dog's going to do it and I release the stem as soon as the dog does it. So it's not going to be hard enough to where I'm blowing sparks at his hind end or causing conflict, but like, I'll get the dog up on the force fetch table and I'll apply low stem and hold it down. Continuous, very gentle. You know, the dog's not turning his head. He's not upset, but I'll hold, and then I'll, and I'll hold that stick up out of his reach. And then I'll slowly bring it in. And the second that dog gets it in his mouth, I let go of the stem, you know? So I'm introducing the stem, but bef- he doesn't need it. He's, he's trying to put this the item in his mouth. He's trying to hold it for me and I'm withholding it while applying stem. And then as soon as it gets to his best, I take it away. So like 100%, I know what you're saying. He doesn't need it, but you need to give it to him anyway. So that he knows that's how to get out from under the pressure. So my, my knee jerk, right now you know and you may say you've already done this part or something else but mighty jerk right now would say to get the dog online give them your verbal recall hopefully it's not just a tone you know because toning in stemming at the same time can can make connections you don't necessarily want you know but give a verbal recall and apply low-level stem and then Like I love it. Even a I love when I when I see a problem because if I can totally identify it. If you start giving him stem and he starts bucking like a fish or trying to get away, like awesome, fantastic. I found the problem now. you know, like as long as you know what the problem is, you can fix it most times. So apply low level stem and then recall them. Have some kind of reinforcement. You know, your verbal praise if that's good enough. You know, I like verbal praise, but I also will bring out some string cheese or hot dogs or whatever. You know, Um, but let them get out there. And then apply the stem and your verbal recall at the same time. And then you can force the issue with your hands. It might even help to have a second person out there and they can work the remote and just say, Hey, when I touch the dog, stem goes away. Or when you see the dog eat this hot dog, stem goes away. Or, you know, when he gets in within two feet of me, whatever, but apply the stem and then reel him in. And then once he does what he wants, take it away. Are you doing that yet?
1: No, I have not done that. And, and that's why we're talking about, you know. Uh, okay, so right now, when I recall, mm-hmm. he knows to run to me, sit in front of mm-hmm. me, and boom, he gets his reward. Right. And and it's not food every time. Sometimes it's just you know excited petting, yep. physical, verbal praise. Um. So so when I'm looking at this, adding the stem until he complies. Okay. So are we talking about? keep that stem on until he's coming and sitting in front of me, or as soon as I start to see that behavior change and he's coming to me, or in the beginning, do I start with the stem until he gets to me? That's when you turn it off and then move back, you know, move, move away as to, to, as soon as I start to see the behavioral change, I take the stem away. Do I build up to that? What's the, yeah, no, you're,
3: you're the, the goal is that he has to run all the way back to you while stem's on, you know, so to start, keep it short. You know, a really short leash, one that you could almost like operate with one hand, almost like you could, you know, you could pull the leash up in the air and then he's going to close the distance to you because there's not that much line. So that's what I would start. You know, get a pocket full of little pieces of hot dog, go out there and um, tough, right? That's the name, tough. Yeah, tough. Come. You know, apply stem and then reel them in. And as soon as he gets to you, he goes off, treats there. So in the beginning, he does not get out from underneath, the, even all the way through it. Yeah, the, he's not going to get out from under the pressure until he has completed it. Now, I wouldn't have a finish. I wouldn't have him sit pretty or anything like that. But like basically where he you guys could touch each other is when the stem goes away. Um, and then again, not that you're going to do this, but there's everybody's listening. We are not frying them. You, I. I have no problem, absolutely no problem getting in a dog's butt, Um, but they don't learn when they're just trying to, oh my God, get me away from this. You know, like you want to teach them with low level STEM, at least, I always like to work in sets of 10, you know, (laughs) get them to recall from six feet under STEM with a positive reinforcement at the end, you know, and uh, don't worry about your finish, just, get close, touch me, you know, get, touch, get to where you can touch me with your nose. And then here's your reinforcement and then let them get out again and, you know, walk down the, I work it into a walk. You know, I don't walk all my dogs every day, but especially if I'm working with one, just a walk kind of helps be, build some cohesiveness. And then during that walk, you got your hot dogs. He smells them on you. He knows you've got them. He's like, okay, we're going to do some stupid human tricks. I'm going to get some hot dogs. So you let him smell something and then, you know, maybe where another dog peed and then tough come and then apply stem and then as soon as he back his okay. stem goes away reinforcement
1: in the past mm-hmm. this is the problem i've had in the past i have have done this sort of training and um it seems like i've reduced their hunt drive when you know so how much is too much how often you know we're talking about a you know i don't every time he turns his head and he starts moving away from me i don't want to be recalling him mm-hmm. right? Right. It's very random over a, over a long period of time. Yep.
3: Like if you do like a 10 minute walk, I'll do it like twice. The first time I'll probably go to somewhere like the backyard, you know, somewhere where it's a controlled area. He's used to the obedience, you know, and it's not going to combine with your field work as much, you know, don't go take them down to your favorite hunting field and do this, you know, do it in the backyard once. And then you can knock out like five to 10 of them real quick, you know, like almost, you know, like, like I said, on like a four foot leash, apply stem, pull the dog in, as soon as he gets in, stem goes away, treat, you know, and then do it. And then I I do that every day, every other day, depending on how hard the dog takes it, if the dog's like having a lot of conflict with the stem. Um, But that's, that's the other thing, like go to your backyard with on leash and then find his threshold. That's one of the main things of the e collars. find his threshold. I don't like to use the Garmin for this. It's not, there's not enough settings. I like to use, uh, like, uh, what am I using right now? Gosh, I, I'm, I forget what it's called. Uh, we, we can get it later. But it's basically it's a remote trainer with a bunch of different levels of stem, and it even has the the old school system on it, where it's got like <clears throat> level one, high, medium, low. Level two, high, medium, low. You know, so I can really quick, boom, 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 go escalate or maintain, um, and uh, find out. what Just walk them around and start where start on zero, They're the lowest setting possible, and just keep tapping that button, you know, while you're walking around in the backyard and you're watching him like a hawk and then just slowly turn to the next level and slowly turn to the next level. Ideally, there'll be a level where he'll, it'll prompt movement of some sort. They might turn their head, but not lock up their head. Like you're frying a dog for running deer or something like that, but they might twitch their head. They may be, they may pause smelling something in the wind and you tap them and then they start walking again. And then you'll have to do it a few times but that's the level you're looking for where they can feel it but it doesn't hurt and if you can find that level and do it 10 times at that level you generally don't get any bad association with it they don't begin to you know dread it you know like you don't want them to you don't want to take the leash off and the dog like hang their head um so is that am i am i kind of answering the question a oh, yeah. Bit. All right. So yep. Very low stem. Yep. And then repetition and routine are our friends. Gosh, these animals are a slave to routine. So if we could just build habits through routine, you know, and take them out and do it the same way. You know, I like to work for 10 two-minute sessions rather than one, you know, however many that is. You know, that that it, it's so much better. Get them into a routine and they're going to start walking around and going, hey, he's going to call me any second. Boom, here comes the stem. And they already know the answer. That's the main thing is they have to know how to get out from under it. And then once, you know, and then at once you're, you're getting it, the dog's getting it, the dog's getting it. You could even just call, call, very softly, very quietly tough come. and then, you know, and low levels again, low levels. And as soon as he gets back to you, then you, then you, you know, reinforce and then you work out with a longer line, but he's already proven to you that he knows how to get out from under that stimulation. Oh, he knows, he knows how he knows the drill. You
1: know, that's the thing. That's the thing that drives me nuts, you know, I know you know mm-hmm. what I want, and I don't like. I I don't I don't like that when when they're just like, yeah, I know, but I'm not going to do it right now. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. When I'm ready, I'll I'll be over there too. Right, you know, right, you know. No, that doesn't fly with me. There's a reason why I'm get, teaching you to recall. You're either running towards a road, you're in a bad situation. You know that I I want that sort of handle on him mm-hmm. because. He is a young terrier and
2: he he can get in trouble. A lot of trouble, <laughs> lot of trouble. himself, <laughs> other people. Okay. I talked to your Heath. He knows, okay. <clears throat> Heath one yeah, he that, knows that there's not a he knows that he you don't have complete control over him when he's doing that. And I know you and I have talked Oh yeah. about some old school things, you know, you can lighten the line, like use 511 cord because it's really light. Mm-hmm. So it takes that pressure away or like I was t- Chad I was telling Chris uh, a couple days ago Um, when we were working on recall years ago, we would put a traffic lead, the 18 inch lead on the dog, just hang it off the collar. So they thought, oh, it's still on there, but that's, that's old school. Um, it does work in certain applications, but with what you're saying, Chris, I kind of agree with, um, Chad, um, lighten up that line and it's stem to you get back, stem to get back. And it's funny that you used the word 10. I like for a dog to do it 10 times in a row. Whether it be over a five period day or whatever, if they can complete it ten times like they're supposed to, then we move to the next task. That's
3: right. I love working in tens; yeah. it's the easiest way. That's
2: it's right. I same thing. Times, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, guys, I have got to go, or I'm gonna be late. And I appreciate you guys getting up this morning, especially you, Chad, um, getting on here and talking about some of these issues. And hopefully, it'll give you know the listeners. Like, I mean, the the I've never had the issue that I can remember, but I've never hunted down east a lot either. So uh, two things go hand in hand there, you know, with a dog that's performing like he should here, take him to a different environment and completely acts like a different dog in certain situations. So that's new to me. Um, Maybe it'll be helpful to some of you guys. Um, The gun thing, um, like I said, that's something we can fix. I'm not too overly worried about that because it's just a process of exposure like you said consistency and over time the dog understands when the gun goes off I get my reward uh, like my neighbors will be over here shooting and my old dogs do not shut up like they know <laughs> like oh it's coming it's coming where's it at uh-huh. <laughs> um so I have to go get on them so you know it's kind of like the the, the the Pablo thing they understand you know with this noise this is what what happens so thank you guys for being on this morning Thanks for having me. And until next time, teach, train, and learn.